Instead of directly stabbing you in the back, I just left a well-placed knife on the back of your chair. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, Episode 6. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we discuss a tile placement game about, well, placing tiles. The game with way more colors than just blue, Azul. All right, Mamie, happy spring, sort of. I, I was going to say, is it spring? It was spring over the weekend, but it feels a little more like winter today. It's spring, then it's not spring, then it's spring again. Uh, this is just a crazy time of year. Yeah, I think yesterday we were having thunderstorms and flooding. I think our phones kept buzzing with alerts for all different sorts of things that were going on. But I guess maybe that is spring. So we've not been doing a lot of outdoor stuff, doing more games, which is good. Yeah, uh, I'm heading out of town tomorrow for another quick work trip. I feel like I have said that on just about every you episode. You've been traveling a lot. Uh, one of us has been traveling, but this is the last one. So once I knock this one out. Well, then next week we are going on a cruise. Well, that's true. I guess I don't think about that because that's fun stuff. But yeah, we're going on a little family cruise. That'll be fun. And the week after that, I'm traveling for work. <laughs> but after that... <laughs> then we're done for a while. <laughs> then we're done for a while. So as we mentioned on our last episode, we leveraged a work trip of mine to have a little spring break road trip together. And we talked about all the gaming we were going to do. Oh, yes. All the gaming that we were going to do. How'd we do with that? We played one game in a coffee shop one afternoon. At least we played one game. We didn't get shut out. That's true. We played one game of Matainai at a coffee shop near our hotel. And it was lovely. It was lovely. We were just not able to get in as much gaming as we had hoped. You ended up being a little busier with work than you had originally anticipated. But it was still a great trip. Yeah, definitely a great trip. Uh, but for now, it looks like we have a glass of white wine in front of us. We do. We're definitely verging from our norm tonight and having some white. Yeah, so we have a glass of the Trimbach Reserve Pinot Gris, and this is 100% Pinot Gris from the Alsace region of France, somewhere we haven't been yet, but that'd be a great place to visit. Yeah, that's definitely on our list. So I did a little bit of research into this wine, and apparently the Trimbach family have been producing wines in that region for three centuries and 13 generations. That's pretty amazing. That's a long time. Yeah, I mean, we've recently done a little bit of digging into our family histories, and I have certainly not gone back 13 generations. You know, that's what's funny about America. Uh, we went to college in Colonial Williamsburg, which is a very historical town. We have buildings there that are like 300 years old. We're like, this is so old. But then you go over to Europe and other parts of the world and, oh, 300. That's, yeah, yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, we were, we were 13 generations ago. We were... <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this is 800 years old. Yeah, this is great. This is nice, crisp. Um, we are believing that it's a nice, warm spring That's around the right. corner day uh, when with we, this white wine. When we tried this one at our local wine shop, we did a wine tasting of French wines, and what we were imagining sitting on the deck on a sunny summer afternoon drinking this one. I think it'd be perfect for that. And since it didn't seem like that was going to happen anytime soon, we just broke it out tonight. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 50 today. All right, Mamie, we've been playing some games over the last couple of weeks. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what we've been playing? Yeah, we've been doing a decent amount of gaming lately. Just last night, we had a couple friends over. And actually, they wanted to play some games because we talked about them in our last podcast episode on our top new games of 2017, new to us in 2017. So last night, we played Modern Art and Dixit, which was a lot of fun. We, we both love both of those games. We've also been playing some Dixit with the kids, 
which is really fun, but definitely a different experience than playing with adults. Yeah, Dixon with the kids is a little less nuanced. Uh, I think <laughs> our son, our son Jack, gave the clue fish, and the image was a picture of a fish. Yeah, although luckily I did have a, a card in my hand that had the likeness of a fish. Right. Uh, so, but it still didn't go well for him. No, and, and so it's interesting that giving clues, being able to pick something that's specific but not too specific is a little too nuanced for their ages. The other piece of it that's hard for them is that they have absolutely no poker face. So when you flip over the cards, they instantly have to comment on all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's very obvious the cards that they have not seen yet, if that's the first time they are seeing that card, which if they're the person who initially chose the card, that kind of gives away some important information for gameplay. But we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, we it's just, definitely fun. And I think that's a, an important factor for gaming with kids. And especially um, the thing that we started doing is trying to put some of the four kids games on the shelf and try to break out some of these more adult games to play with the kids. As long as you retune your expectations and think, okay, this is not going to be the same as playing with my adult friends, um, but we can still have a lot of fun. And, and a lot of times they really do surprise you with how quickly they they do catch on um, to the games. And yeah, we've been we've been playing some of our our newer games that we got in our our more recent spring game order. Uh, we've played a few our first two plays of Century Spice Road. What do you think of that one? I love it. It's a very much a Zen game. It reminds me a lot of Splendor, which is another game that I really enjoy. But it's it's enough different that I think it adds something you know new to our collection. I think for the way that we typically game, um, and we, we play a lot of different games with different people in different contexts, but you know, if you look at our plays, I would say half of the time, we're playing just the two of us on an evening. And so I think for the type of gaming we do, games like Century Spice Road really do fit in nicely to our gaming lifestyle, um, a game that we can easily pull off the shelf, get it set up in a matter of minutes, and knock out a game or two in under an hour. Um, games like that really, I think, fit our life right now really well. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. This is one I think we'll, we'll be playing a bunch in the coming months. And we'll probably talk about on the show at some point. And, and also, very much unlike those other games we've talked about, anyone who has followed us on Twitter or Instagram um, over the last couple weeks have seen that we've had our first tries, or I have had... <laughs> My first tries with 18xx games and specifically 1846. I've played twice already, sort of. The first time we played, we or it was a weeknight, and we had a hard stop at 11:30 p.m. And so we didn't quite get done with the game, but we had had a good time. We got to get you you out, Mamie, to play a game at 1846. I know I want to try it, but we have to start earlier than 8 p.m. if you're going to get me to play. Yeah, we we played on Sunday afternoon at our local game store and. It was about a four, four and a half hour experience for us. Granted, we're still fairly new. I could see us speeding that up, but uh, it's hard for me to imagine that game would clock in much less than four hours. So maybe not the best weeknight game, but, but still a good time. And, you know, again, it's one of those that I'm really excited to digging in after two plays. I still have only scratched the surface with strategy. There's so much I still have no clue how it works. Um, and I enjoy that. I like that trying to figure out, you know, a lot of games that you play, you, know, you play a couple of times and, and you're like, all right, I get this. I see how this works. And now I'm just trying to make minor tweaks to my strategy to get slightly better or faster. This one, still very opaque. 
I'm going to let you work all the kinks out and figure out all the rules, and then I'll play. Well, but that's the thing. The rules are cake. So we played this oh, time. Okay. Yeah, and hardly consulted the rule book at all. So I think the rules overhead is pretty low. I mean, and again, it's like we've mentioned with some splatter games. There's sort of like this um, general set of rules and parameters that create this this world, and then the game is you interacting with other people within these confines of rules. We'll have to give it a try. Hope maybe we'll break it on an afternoon before too long. Last thing I wanted to say was we've been having a little more chatter and some fun conversations in our guild. So thanks to everyone who has joined our guild and has even posted, including you. Yeah, and we're up to nine people in our guild. <laughs> nine people and in our guild. I don't think we know any of them except each other. I think that's right. And so uh, if you want to be the 10th person in our guild. <laughs> you want to be our new friend. Yeah, you can do it. And unlike larger guilds, you're going to get much more personal attention in our guild. Right Definitely. Now. And I, that just this past week, discovered the fun of Geek Gold. Josh gifted me with some geek gold, and I was able to start to add uh, to my profile and add. Um, you bought some micro badges. Micro badges, micro badges are quite fun. So I think I, I think you found a wine one. I did find a wine micro badge. So if you want to see Mamie's fun wine micro badges, you can join us in our cardboard and wine guild. All right, Mamie, that's enough chit chat. Let's get into our game of the week. Azul is an abstract board game designed by Michael Kiesling and released by Plan B Games in 2017. Based on Spanish and Portuguese tiles called Azulejos, in Azul, players collect sets of identical colored tiles which they place on their player board in an attempt to score the most points. Depending on the number of players, and Azul can accommodate two to four, five to nine circular boards called factory displays are placed in a circle in the center of the table. On each of these factory displays are four tiles that are chosen randomly from a bag. The tiles come in five different colors and patterns, many of which are quite striking, especially when viewed together. Players take turns selecting all the tiles of a certain type from one of the factory displays and then pushing the remaining unchosen tiles into the center of the table. Players continue to collect tiles from the factory display or the center of the table, which has now been collecting tiles. When tiles are chosen, they're placed onto the left side of the player's individual player board into one of five rows called pattern lines that contain one to five slots. The top pattern line has one slot all the way down to the bottom pattern line of five slots. Once all tiles are taken from the central factory boards, this phase of the round ends, and players simultaneously move tiles from the pattern lines to their wall, which is on the right side of their player board. In pattern lines that are completely filled, players can move one tile over onto the wall and score it, and the rest are discarded. Incomplete pattern lines retain their tiles for the next round of tile selection. This continues until the game ends when the first player completes an entire row of his or her wall, which is a 5x5 five five grid. As I mentioned, points are scored each time the tile is moved onto the wall, and one point is gained if a tile is on its own with no neighbors. However, a tile scores multiple points for every additional tile in an orthogonally adjacent row or column with that tile. Bonus points are gained for completing full columns, rows, or complete sets of any of the tile patterns, and points are lost for any tiles taken from the factory tiles that could not be placed. The high score is the winner. All right, Mamie, let's talk a little bit about Azul. So when did we first play Azul? Yeah, so I think you actually played it first at the Whose Turn convention in Durham. 
and you were you headed over there a little earlier than I was able to, and it was one of the um, play to win games. I think that if you played it, you got entered in a chance to win. Is that yeah, correct? It was one of those. Although I will say, I think this game would have been played quite a bit, even if it wasn't one of those games. Uh, I saw this game being played just a ton everywhere, and I had heard about the game for sure. There was a lot of people talking about it during 2017. So I was really eager to try it and was lucky lucky enough to get in on a game. And actually, you know, the thing that struck me about the game first was I had wanted to play it and saw that it was actually available. So I grabbed it and sat down and I put up a sign, a looking for players sign. And, you know, in the few minutes while I was waiting for people to join me, I just read through the rule book myself and kind of familiarized myself with the rules. And a few other folks sat down who also had never played before, but we were able to pretty easily jump into a game having never played, which I thought was good, which I mean, I think really speaks to the overall simplicity of the rules of this game. Definitely. And I know when, when I showed up and I asked you, you know, what you'd been playing, that was the first thing that you mentioned to me and said, you're going to love this game. We need to play it. And yeah, I was hooked. I really loved it. I'm not usually the one to initiate buying games, but I'm pretty sure I demanded that you order that one. But then, of course, it was back ordered, so it took a while to get here. But Yeah, this was definitely the star of the show for us at the con, and, and we're very bummed out it was out of stock. And I don't think we were alone. Um, actually, after the the convention, they sent out a survey, and I think I think people, uh, I think overall people voted this was the game they most enjoyed playing at the con. So, uh, so a really popular game, and I think this speaks to its wide appeal. Along the lines of why that might be, Mamie, let's talk a little bit about the components of Azul. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the most striking things about this game is the the tiles and the the beautiful tiles. I mean, as Josh said, these are based on these Moorish tiles that were really favored amongst the Portuguese. And they, they have five different designs. They're not all blue. They have different colors on them. But they're just, they're beautiful, and they're a nice weight, and they're easy to place. Um, I was actually a little surprised how well they stay in place on the player board. Um, but I think it's because they are a little hefty. I mean, they have some weight to them. The The cool thing about that player board is that it's double-sided. So on one side, there's a pattern, and so you have to match your tiles to the pattern but you can flip it over. And on the other side, the wall where you place the tiles is gray and you can come up with your own pattern, which is definitely more complex, but equally fun. You know, I just really, I, I like the structure of this game that the drafting is a little different than in any other game I've played before where there are those factories in the middle and you can choose a tile from the factory, but you have to take all the tile of that color and the others get put in the center, and you might end up stuck with them. And it's just kind of a neat style of drafting. And the bag, they come in a pretty little blue and white canvas bag that the tiles go in. I, I mean, there's nothing but positives to say about the components. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I would say the production of this game was pretty much perfect as far as I'm concerned. You know, I can't think of much I would change. Like you said, the tiles are great and and they really do feel great to play with. And, and, you know, I think a pet peeve I have these days are player boards that are too flimsy. Yeah. But this is, this is certainly a, a thick, a thick cardboard. And, you know, I mean, we've been having a lot of trouble with different games, um, having, 
player boards that that tend to bow out as you play. Yeah. I don't know as they take on or release humidity. Uh, no problem here though. These boards are solid because that would be a big issue actually because the whole playing point very is difficult. placing these yeah. tiles, and if the board w- were to warp, that would make that challenging. But um, but these boards are great, and as you said, I love the bag. The material is just, you know how a lot of these bags that come in games are kind of these cheapo quality, kind of faux velvety, and they, they almost make your skin crawl <laughs> to touch them, and uh, stuffed fables specifically. Yes. That's like the worst, cruddiest bag. That's I'd almost true. rather it not have a bag. Everything fits nicely. In, oh, and also the Azul bag, it's not just a plain bag, but actually is white and blue. It's printed. Almost like an, an these Azulejo patterns with azul um printed right on there it just looks great um everything fits nicely in the box i've i've become just more and more <laughs> uh, ocd about components fitting well into boxes i think i may have mentioned my um penchant for uh, plano boxes just to organize boxes well this one doesn't need anything like that everything the Everything's well thought out and fits nicely in the box. And also I want to mention, too, those round discs, which they call the factory boards, uh, those circles. You know, they could have done that in a lot of different ways. They could have just made a square board with little regions where you put these. But the fact that they are these circles and use a different, use an increasing number of them depending on the number of players. Um, but the pattern on on those is is gorgeous also. and And I think those are really what make the game very striking and intriguing to look at on the table. Yeah, it's different than other games that you would see. Definitely. Uh, But, you know, the components are great, but um, I have plenty of games I love that have really cruddy components, but great gameplay. So without good gameplay, the components wouldn't mean much. So let's talk about the gameplay of Azul. Yeah, I mean, I think Azul, like a lot of the games that I seem to really, really enjoy, is at the same time, simple and complex. The rules, like you said, are very basic. You're selecting tiles, placing them in the pattern line, and then moving them into your wall. It it seems really easy, but it's not. Every choice that you're making along that process has a lasting impact. And so you kind of have to plan ahead and decide which color you want to take and what you're going to leave behind. I mean, that's the other thing, that the colors that you don't take end up in the center of the table And as you get further along, somebody has to start taking from the center of the table at some point. And you can end up with a whole bunch of tiles that you can't place. And so just trying to plan that out ahead of time and make sure that where you're placing them is, you know, only one pattern per pattern line and that there's room for that pattern in your wall. It's a lot to keep straight. Then, if you decide to try that other version where there's not a specific pattern, your mind will just be completely blown. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, should should factor in there too, not only uh, as you play the game more and more, not only are you thinking about what you need, but really you're, you're thinking about what your opponent needs and doesn't need also. And that is an added layer that factors into your, your selection. Um, you know, I'll say since we got this game a few weeks ago, I've played it about 10 times with numerous people and I'm not even close to, to being tired of it yet. And and this is what I was alluding to, but I have found the more and more that I've played this game, these additional layers of strategy start opening up. And the first layer uh, and the first time you play the game, and it's fun. it's been fun for me to play this game with other people for the first time because I've seen them go through the same process. You know, your first playthrough, you're really just focused on getting the tiles you need to complete those lines so that you can move tiles over at all. 
But then you start a second layer starts to open up after a few plays where you start noticing, okay, some of these bonuses are really big points. So I need to think about how can I complete these these columns or how can I try to get all five of a certain color before the game ends. But then after a few more plays, you add the layer on top of that of really, and this is what I was mentioning, noticing what tiles your opponent needs, or I guess more accurately, what tiles your opponent does not need. And this factors into your decision because really, you know, you can lose some serious points if you get stuck taking a bunch of tiles that you can't place. Um, And this can make the game a little bit sinister, especially towards the end of the game. While that's true, I don't feel like it's directly a combative or confrontational game. I mean, you're still working on building your own wall, but there definitely is a layer of which you can kind of, uh, you know, say, take that to your opponent in the tiles that you decide to leave behind. That's true. I guess instead of directly stabbing you in the back, I just left a well-placed knife on the back of your chair. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great analogy. So so what's your favorite thing about this game? We said there's a lot to like, but are there any favorite things that you have? You know, I I really like that the game is sort of like a puzzle. You have to think about all the steps ahead of time for both yourself and your opponent to make sure that you're selecting and leaving behind the best possible combination of tiles. If you choose the wrong ones, you can really mess yourself up. Um, But if you choose the right ones, you create this really beautiful mosaic and you earn a lot of points. And, And despite that complexity and maybe a little bit of confrontation, it's still a little bit zen. You know, you can play almost in silence, just picking up and putting down the tiles. And the symmetry, when you get that final wall put together and the, the, you know, if you get your columns and your rows lined up, it's just really satisfying and a little bit zen. So I think that's probably my favorite thing about it, other than the fact it's beautiful. Yeah, I definitely agree with that sentiment. You know, I, I like heavy games for sure. And I mentioned Um, previously that we've been playing a lot of Gaia Project and I've been dipping my toes into 18xx. But I feel like lately I've also come to reappreciate games that are fun and satisfying that can also be played in under an hour. And and this one clocks in at an average time of about 20 minutes per play. And and that's pretty awesome. Um, You know, these components, they're so great and tactile. Uh, But really, you know, games like this and Century Spice Road and Splendor, as you mentioned, I think you said it well. They they really do put me into this Zen place as well. And and I really love that. And I almost find that even if I lose, I'm like, okay, you won. Great. Yeah. You know, I still had a great time. Yeah, it's relaxing. And on a weeknight, you know, after we've worked all day, I think a glass of wine and a, a game like Azul or Century Spice Road or Splendor is just exactly what we need. Yeah, I agree. Well, this all sounds great, but is there anything you don't like about Azul? You know, I really like almost everything about this game. I, the one little thing, and this is picky, is that I sometimes find it slightly annoying how often it feels like you have to stop gameplay to refill the bag um, with the discarded tiles. That kind of stops my zen moment when we have to stop and pick up all the discarded tiles off the table and refill the bag. We've mentioned before, we think, you know, if you had a second bag and you could discard into that bag instead, that might kind of help. Maybe we can find a workaround to make that a little bit less annoying. But really, that's the that's the only thing about this game. And it's tiny and nitpicky. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could say would be equally tiny and nitpicky. And that would be maybe the boring red and blue solid tiles. I do wonder about those. The other tiles are so beautiful. Why are there just plain blue and red? Yeah, and if you haven't seen this game, 
several of the tile patterns are these really intricate and and beautiful uh, patterns and and color contrasts. Um, and then there's plain blue and plain red. They almost look like Starburst. They do <laughs> candy <laughs> Starburst. We should probably keep those away from the kids. <laughs> probably so. So I don't know if you've seen this, Mamie, but actually, Plan B Games, the publisher of Azul, um, they recently made available for pre-order um, these collectors tiles, and there are some reddish ones and some bluish ones. I'm pulling these up now for you to look at. Here's the blue Ooh, ones. Oh, those are blue and purple. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're more of I guess yeah, more of a light blue and a sort of reddish ones and bluish ones. Um, and I assume this is to replace the red and blue solid tiles. And and so I actually read a little bit of discussion about this on on Board Game Geek, and I believe it was one of the the folks who who works with Plan B Games said that the red and blue tiles were important because they actually gave your eyes some chance to rest when the tiles were all together. So it makes me wonder if maybe there was some initial play testing where. It was five different types of patterns that were included, and it was too busy. And maybe the red and blue provide some nice contrast among the patterns, which are, are which are you know really they are a little busy. That makes sense, actually. I could see that it would be a little bit too busy if every single tile had an intricate pattern. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll pick up some of these uh, some of these collectors' tiles. Although I saw they were available for pre-order, and then as I was doing research for the show and looked it up, they are already out of stock again. So wow, maybe we won't get them. But you know, you know, you don't really need that. And I'll say too, there are some Joker tiles that are also available. I think these came with the original Kickstarter version of the game, um, and then similar to the collector tiles, were available for pre-order. That's that's now sold out again. Um, but I guess these are like wild card tiles, and I really. I don't know. I don't know that I see the use in those either. Yeah, I don't know that that would be necessary, but I mean, you know, anything's worth giving a try. The other thing, this is another super nitpicky negative. At the top of each player board is the score track. So that's where you, you move a little black cube to keep track of your score. I guess possibly it could be easy to bump your player board and, and get your, your cube. It's kind of, your cube's kind of tight in there um, as you're marking the score. That's pretty nitpicky too. Um, you know, assuming that gameplay continues to hold up over the next 10 to 20 plays, I think this game's pretty close to being perfectly executed. And the only way I can imagine people might not like the game is if they just are completely opposed to any nastiness or hate drafting <laughs> in a game. Uh, if you're somebody that would get really angry if your friend or partner selected tiles just for the purpose of screwing you, <laughs> then you might not like this game, I guess. You have to be comfortable with that. All right, anything you want to say about the theme of Azul? You know, it's interesting because I think the the theme is kind of light. This game is a little bit light on theme. I mean, it really is a tile-laying game about laying tile. Um, but I like that. I think, you know, it contributes to that zen feeling. I think any other theme would really be, like, superfluous and unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, this is, as we said, this is an abstract game. And, you know, like most abstract games, that's the whole point, is they're abstract. They don't necessarily uh, need some rich theme and don't think this game really, really needs it. So. So when would we break out this game? You know, I think this game is a good game for both casual and more serious gamers. I mean, we've played it with both. We've played it with friends who are on the more casual side and with our more serious gamer friends. Um, And I think everybody enjoys it because it does have those kind of several layers of complexity to it. 
Um, I don't think I'm ready to break this one out with the kids yet. Maybe in another year or two, they'll be ready for it. But yeah, I think this is kind of an all-around great game. I think the fact the rules are fairly simple, it's pretty quick. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've played this with anywhere from members of our regular game group, and we tend to play heavier games, and they really enjoyed it. Um, this would be a great palate cleanser after a heavy game or even as a warm-up to start the evening, maybe while you're waiting for people to arrive. Um, I've also, as you said, yeah, we've played this with more casual gamers who liked it just as much. most common response I've gotten after playing this game with people is, let's play it again. And I actually played this with my friend Dan at a local pub one night this week, which, by the way, I was drinking a golden ale spiced with cinnamon and vanilla that smelled like a churro. Did it taste like a churro? Kind of. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was actually uh, pretty tasty. So that was a lovely evening all the way around. (laughs) All right, Mamie, I think we have exhausted our discussion of Azul. We have probably taken as much time to talk about Azul as it would take to play a game of Azul. Maybe more. So maybe we should go play a game of Azul. But before we do, let's share our final thoughts. And I'm going to remind you of our rating scale. So this scale is based on wine. And it is a one to five scale where one is an empty bottle of wine that's sad and disappointing and really just needs to be taken out to the recycling. A two would be a two buck chuck. If there's nothing else around, might do the trick. Three would be a wine in a box. Has things going for it, but other things we don't really like as well. A four is like this Pinot Gris. It's easy to enjoy regularly. You pour a glass and you look forward to enjoying some more. And last, a five would be a big, bold California cab. Something that's only going to get better with age. All right, Mamie, what are your final thoughts on Azul? So I'm going to give Azul a four. It's this lovely Pinot Gris for me. We really enjoy it, and I look forward to enjoying it a lot more. The only reason it didn't quite make it to a five is that I feel like there's a chance that we may get a little bit bored with it because there is only a certain level of variety between different gameplays. But other than that, it's a really high four. All right, that's great. I think that's a great assessment. So I'll go ahead and give my rating. As I already said, to me, Azul is pretty close to a perfectly executed game from the components, the tiles, the board, the bag, all excellent. I feel like this game and the people who designed and produced this game really knew what this game was and hit the right amount of strategy and complexity for a 20-minute game to make it fun and interesting. I'll say if I had a friend who was just getting into games, this is one that I would call a shelf essential. I predict we're going to be playing Azul for a long time to come, so I'm going to give this a 5 out of 5. All right, that's high praise, but I support it. All right, well, it's been fun talking about Azul. Wanted to say thank you for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine or email us at cardboardandwine at gmail.com or join me in our guild on Board Game Geek. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. Since we're a brand new podcast, it'll help new listeners find the show. If you've been enjoying the show, tell a friend. Until next time, cheers, cheers and, and happy, happy gaming. gaming.